Thank you, Chris and Soul, for that. Um, I wasn't planning to say this this morning, but I'll just go ahead and throw this out there, just in case you guys were wondering if the whole time Kobe here, it was just a trick. I didn't tell Chris what I was preaching on today. Did I, Chris? He did not, okay? Put that sermon, faithful work. We're going to talk about faithfulness. We're going to talk about trusting in the Lord today. And I just, I love it. I love it. So that's what happens when all of us are following the Holy Spirit. Um, so thanks again, guys, for that this morning. I really appreciate it. Um, so we got, I was telling um, somebody this morning that we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to do a bit of an announcement this morning as we start. Um, I know that, that many of you are probably wondering, and I'm, I'm saying this because many of you have asked me, what's the plan now since Kobe has left us? Which, by the way, I might be praying that he screws up the lyrics so he comes back. I'm just, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Um, and so today I want us, I want to talk about that because the Lord has, has obviously been speaking and so um, elders and I met this week and, and so I just want to kind of share with you uh, where we are and what the plans are, okay? Um, and so I want to, I want to share this with you because I think it's important for us to see this from a lot of different angles. Um, you know, obviously when Kobe told me that he was uh, feeling called to go somewhere else, there's a little anxiety that wells up in me because because we are creatures of comfort, right? Like we get used to a certain person or a certain feeling and, and we don't want that to go away. But I think obviously God does this so that we grow, right? Because if we always stay in the same place, we'll always be the same people we always were. And so um, I want you guys to see that, that just like we're always talking to you uh, about doing, we always talk about abiding in Christ, right? Asking the Lord what to do and then doing what he says. The elders obviously are doing that as well. And so I want to kind of walk you through the process that God's had me in for the last month or so uh, and share that with you guys because I want you to see um, that this is like one of my concerns always because I see this in a lot of churches and it was in a lot of churches that I grew up in that it was kind of the pastor's deal right he made all the decisions he's the one that that guided the ship in every decision and that's not how we operate this is not the will show and so I want you to see that what we're doing is following the Lord's guidance uh, as we move forward okay so um I, I wanted to tell you guys that even when, and I love one of the songs um, this morning, they used the iPad, so I can't flip through the lyrics, but anyway, you'll, you'll recognize it, but um, when Kobe told me he was leaving, obviously, you know, the anxiety and all that wells up, and the next morning in my quiet time, God gives me the story of King David, he's near the end of his life, but he's still alive yet, and he appoints Solomon as the king, and through that, the Lord was speaking to me that before Kobe's gone, you're going to know what the next step is. And so for me, in terms of my anxiety, that was huge, right? Because now I don't know what the answer is, but I know that God is going to take care of it. He's going to be faithful uh, even when I don't see what's going on, okay? So secondly, so the first thing I wanted you to hear is that God's pointing us to a particular person. And the second thing I want you to hear um, is what God said in response to our asking what his plan is. Okay, so God speaks to me and he says, Will, before Kobe's gone, I'm going to tell you who the no- next person is to lead. Okay, so now I've got that confirmation. I trust the Lord because of my experiences with him in the past. I know that he's going to be faithful to what he's saying. And so, uh, okay, God, you're going to give us somebody. Okay, we got two weeks. Who's that person, right? That's, that's where I am in, in this moment, Okay. So on September 30th, I emailed the elders what God had spoken just that morning, and I want to share that stuff with you guys, because one of the elders um, and I were speaking afterwards, and they were like, wait, that was from one day? And I was like, yes, that was one day. This is what the Lord was saying, okay? So here's the passages on September 30th that the Lord put before me. It was Philippians 1, 9 through 10, and it says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight 
so that you may, may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Okay, so in this passage, as I'm reading and I'm thinking and praying about who it would be that God would call to lead us in worship, God highlighted this idea of, um, of growing in knowledge and in depth. And obviously that, that phrasing is important to us, right? As at the Gathering Place, one of our distinctives is that we're going to progressively grow in our understanding of who Christ is through experience, right? That it's not just us hoarding up a bunch of knowledge, but as we walk with the Lord, we're going to progress in our understanding of, of, of this person. And so for me, God begins to develop this vision for worship ministry here. Um, that it's not going to just be someone who picks out the music and sings songs. That's what Kobe has been doing. It's been fantastic, but God is developing what he wants us to do here. And so what I feel like the Lord was speaking is that he's going to put a person in place that cannot just lead worship, but can help train future worship leaders. Because I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but we're a church plant and we plant other churches, right? Is everybody clear on that's how this works? Okay, well, when we plant a church, they're going to need a pastor and they're going to need somebody to lead worship, right? Those are two staples of who we are. And so what I felt like the Lord was saying is that he was going to put someone in place who could help the whole team, the ones we have now and future team members, not just get better at their skills and their talents, but in leading worship so that as we need worship leaders, that God could call people out of that team and they would be ready and prepared to help lead worship. Okay. The second thing was Psalm 6-2. It said, sing about the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. And as I'm thinking through this and praying through it, that uh, phrasing, make his praise glorious, this may sound funny, but to me, if you have to make something glorious, it means that it wasn't glorious before, right? Not saying that Kobe wasn't glorious, don't read into that too much. But again, this idea of progression, of the Lord working us to be better and better at what we do, okay? And then I read this in one of my, my um, one of my, my devotions for that morning. I, it was uh, from first15.org, and it said, and if you do not praise God, you are not bringing forth the fruit which he, as the divine husbandman, has a right to expect at your hands. Let not your harp then hang on the willows, but take it down and strive with a grateful heart to bring forth its loudest music. Okay, so again, all of these passages for me are speaking about this process of growth. So for me, as I'm thinking about the worship ministry that God has for us here in the future for TGP West is that it's not just going to be about us, right? We always talk about it. We don't want it to just be about us, but it's about God using this body to prepare people to be sent out in ministry, just like we've talked about the last two weeks with Kobe, that we would, would train up people, right, us, this kind of people, to go and to do the work of ministry, Okay. So I sent all this to the elders uh, on the morning of the 30th, and Glenn calls me a little later. He's like, hey, what are you doing for lunch? It's like, eating with you, apparently. So we get together. We do that fairly often, okay? And so as I'm discussing what the Lord's been putting before me, I tell Glenn that I really feel like the person that God's pointing to is Leah Hill. She's here this morning, obviously. We're going to give her an opportunity to speak in a minute. And, and Glenn affirms that, but he goes on to say that a few, few um, weeks before that, that Leah had mentioned... Um, to him, she's re she was reading a book on prayer and, and just really felt strongly that the Lord was urging her to, for us to include more prayer time in our Sunday morning services. Okay, so now I'm pumped because I already felt like the Lord was speaking things. All right, and then Glenn says, yeah, I'm feeling the same thing. feel like the Lord's saying the same thing. This was the next morning in my prayer time, okay? So I'm making notes all this. I leave, I go to work. Um, the next morning, this was in another one of my devotions. It says, the greatest moment in a Christian's life comes through prayer. Y'all picking up on this? 
When Jesus prayed, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. The Spirit came upon the disciples as they gathered to pray on the day of Pentecost. And then these verses were referenced out of Acts, Acts 1, 14. They all were continually invited into prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, Acts 2, 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And then Acts 4, 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. And then the, the, the devotional said this. When the disciples prayed together after Pentecost, their gathering place was shaken. And they were emboldened to proclaim the gospel throughout the city. All right, look, y'all. <laughs> at this point, like, I'm just, all right, God, can I talk to Leah yet? Can we have this conversation? Okay. Now, even though God has been really clear with me and the elders on this, we also want you guys to have opportunity to, to pray through this. And then we're going to affirm um, both Leah and David, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second, in this role. Okay, and I, I want to just say as a side note, when I, when I first met with Leah, I asked David to come with me because Bethany and I, as you know, have been in ministry together a long time. And when you, a couple does ministry together, there's often an assumption that if you hire one, you get the second one for free, right? Not that we're necessarily going to pay very much, but I'm just saying there's that idea there, right? And so I wanted to, David to be there so that I could say to him, you can be as involved as you want to be or not involved at all. There's not an expectation from me or from the elders that, that you guys do that together, okay? And I think it's important for you guys to know that, okay? I met with both of them. I was talking to David last night. I said, wasn't that last week? He's like, no, Will, that, that was this week, okay? It's been that kind of week for me. But we met together, and, and they both shared what the Lord had been speaking to them. And, and I'm going to ask them to come up in just a minute and share that. So guys, get ready. If you've got anything, you need to get out. Um, but I wanted you guys to see that that God is working, that he's speaking, okay? So they're going to begin in, in an interim capacity until we affirm them on November the 8th. So for the next couple of weeks, um, Alex and the rest of the team, however they decide to do that, is also going to lead for us. Um, and then after the 8th, um, Leah and David are going are to start leading us. And to kind of give you an idea of what that's going to look like, Leah, um, and they may share a little bit of this in a minute, it's going to kind of be the, the, the voice or the face of the worship team, and David will be the musical muscle, Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been described as muscular before? You're, there you go. That's all right. So you guys, come on up. That's a good segue. Y'all come on up and, uh, and, and share what the Lord's been speaking to you, and I'm going to get out of the way for a minute. I just, you know, breaking a mic is, is not a great intro to this whole this whole neuro do you want to just come over here we're not going to talk at the same time i'm not going to talk to you and david's not going to talk to you we haven't really we haven't really planned this you want to go first do you want me to go first no you go first okay um first of all gosh i'm so humbled really i'm so humbled um when when will met with us a couple weeks ago um it was really interesting because David and I had been praying about Colleen because that's a new church plan. And, and I had felt in my scripture reading, um, I had been reading a lot about spiritual gifts and about the role of spiritual gifts in the church. And David and I had been talking about the fact that, you know, what does the Lord have for us? Is he calling us to the new church plant? And, um, and I said, well, I don't know, but I feel like I feel a, a, an urging from the spirit that we're supposed to be involved we're supposed to be ministering and I don't right now at West 
see any holes in ministry. <laughs> every every um, role that, that I feel a pulling toward is already filled. Um, so, so we were considering Colleen kind of on that basis, like maybe the Lord would have us to move there because there'll be some ministry needs that there aren't at West. We had no idea, like as we're having this conversation, that Will and Kobe had already talked and Kobe was already being called somewhere else. So um, I think the Lord was preparing our, our hearts for that. But we got together with Will and um, <laughs> uh, I didn't have um, an automatic yes from the Lord, so I just started praying. And you know how Will is. He said, I feel the Lord is leading in this, but you need to hear from him too. So, and no rush. So about a week later, um, I was reading, and I, I, a couple months ago, you guys, I finished 2 Corinthians. I went through it. It was awesome, but I felt like the Lord was leading me back to 2 Corinthians. Um, so I was kind of reading through a chapter a day kind of a thing, and um, got to chapter 3. And these incredible, incredible verses, and I'll explain a little bit my, how the Lord used it, but um, in verse 5, um, Paul says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency, some um, versions translate this competency, actually, our competency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the, sp- not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And um, I had two big questions in my mind thinking about this new opportunity. One is that music ministry in the past for us has always been by the letter. I'm just going to be totally honest with you. That's been something that was within us. We felt like we had to meet all of these requisites, do everything perfectly, look perfect, sound perfect for God to use us. And it was also things that were a part of the environments that we were ministering in. Um, I had, until very recently, never gotten up and sung in church or been part of music ministry in church and felt like the Spirit was the one leading it. What was leading it was always what I felt like I had to do or had to be in the moment. Um, And so the Lord soothed my heart with that because it's not skill. If you know us, you know that our background is in music education, professional music, but but what the Lord spoke was, (laughs) none of that is going to help you here. (laughs) That's That's not what this is about, and I needed that. I needed that that um, freedom, that I don't have to worry about the letter of the law when it comes to music, that's not, gonna, that's not going to accomplish what the Spirit wants to do, it's, it's him that does it. It's him that does it, so he's going to do it. Um, but the other thing that stood out to me there is the we in that. You know, Paul, Paul says that, we, 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 and, and I got the sense from the Lord that this is not just about me, not just about David, it's a we. And it's not just about who's here, it's a we. All of us together, we have experienced freedom from the letter. We have freedom in the spirit. Um, and then a little later on, this is verse 12. And Will, I didn't know the verses that God had shown you, but this is so cool. Verse 12. Since we have such a hope, this hope that comes from the spirit, we are very bold. We are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end Okay, and then he goes on and talks about, he talks about that. We don't have the veil anymore. We have Jesus, the veil is removed. And um, so that was, uh, that was God's word to me, not to fear, not to fear to do this. You guys, I don't know how to do this. 
I don't know what God's gonna do. I don't know how he's gonna lead. I don't know how to do music ministry in this way. I'm not coming to you with like a great big plan. Um, I have a vision from the Lord, which I'll share in a second, but I don't know how to do this, but we are called to boldness. We are called to boldness to share what we receive without that veil, right? The beauty of who God is. Um, So, and this is the vision part. This is what I received from the Lord. Um, And this is what what I'm hoping for, what I'm praying for, for this ministry. Um, Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And um, that's, when, I, when I'm praying over music ministry, and when I'm praying what the Lord wants it to look like here, worship here at TGP, it's this, we all, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Um, not about being something or making something happen, he's the one who transforms us, but coming together, uniting our hearts and and allowing the spirit to unite us to behold his glory. Um, And this, the ability to do that, it comes from the spirit. It's not gonna come from David's musical muscle, (laughs) as awesome as it is. Um, It's not gonna come from um, any one thing that we do necessarily. It's gonna come from him. He's gonna be the, he is going to be what enables us to behold his glory. He's gonna be the one that transforms us. He's gonna be the one that unites us. Um, So I do not have an agenda. We do not have an agenda for TGP. We have been so blessed. You know, we visited for the first time um, a year ago, April, and both walked out and we were so refreshed by the worship. It was different than anything we had seen before. And, And humility was the word actually that kept coming to my mind and coming to my mind. Humility had not been a part of the way I worshiped before or, or a part of what we had seen in most worship settings. Um, and humility and sincerity characterized what we received, what we experienced, and we loved that. We appreciated that ministry of Kobe so much. So we're not looking to, we're not looking to come here and shake everything up and change anything. We're gonna see, we have a vision for what the Lord wants to do, but not an agenda if that makes sense. Um, so we're going to get that from, from the Lord. Now, David heard a word from the Lord before I did, actually. So he'll probably share, and, and he has a cool bit that God showed him, which is kind of along with the lines of what Will was saying. So um, whenever we first came, because of our backgrounds, um, there was kind of an assumption with all of our family. So what are you doing with the music? You know, and we're like, we're not doing anything. We're coming to church. <laughs> um, but anyway... Um, and, um, and, and we, we would talk to each other and be like, I, I still don't feel like I need to be part of the worship service. Do you? Nope. Okay. And we're just enjoying it. We're just enjoying being in the congregation. And, um, and then, like, um, a couple of months ago, all of a sudden, um, I, was, I was reading through um, the epistles, and I, I was reading um, specifically about... Um, about, uh, um, was it Timothy? Was that, was Paul that right? Timothy. Yeah, Paul to Timothy. Um, talking, about, um, talking about passing on what you've learned. And God has revealed himself so mightily to Leah and me, I mean, in ways that we've never experienced him here. And, um, and we're so grateful for that. But we felt a little bottled up, like we want to share and didn't have an outlet, like Leah mentioned. And 
Um, and so I read multiple things, multiple different times in my devotions, I came across passages that were giving me a go-ahead to, to have an outlet. And I'm, and, but still, you know, Kobe hadn't mentioned anything about joining in the music, so I just, I didn't do anything about it. And, um, and so, you know, so this all happened before. And so when Leah, you know, whenever Will talked to us and Leah would, they would be like, what, what have you heard from the Lord? I'm like, I've already heard from the Lord. That's, <laughs> that's between you and him. I, I already know we're supposed to be involved with this, but I, but I, you know, I, I appreciated that. I, I do appreciate that the, that we are, we are able to have that individual priesthood of the believer, that we're able to have that um, um, a permission from the church to, um, to not just be told, you're talented in this, now go do it. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. But anyway, and then um, what, what Leah was talking about was that um, this morning I was in First um, John, and, um, and what was I read? I'm sorry. What did I read? I was actually talking about the Timothy thing. Oh, oh. What you've learned. From but anyway, but but literally, literally just this morning. Oh, but this morning it was the introduction, and he's talking about those things which we've received, which we experience. We receive God, and now um, those things we pass on. And, and this was this was the cool part. And he says that our joy will be complete, and that's why I told Leah is that that our we've had a lot of joy in experiencing God since we've since we've moved here. But it's felt like one thing that's been lacking, we talk about um, in the book Weight of Glory by C.S. Lewis, he talks about the fact that the culmination of enjoyment is sharing. And so that's, that's really what I got from the Lord was it's time to share. So. Thank you guys for sharing this morning. That's exciting, isn't it? It's, it's so cool to see... Um, how when we just get out of the way that things just, the Lord puts everything in place. And, and that's incredible. And I, I do want to mention on just something that, that David said, because we're going we're gonna to talk about work today, okay? And, and here's what happens when we talk about work. Everybody goes, oh God, because we all understand we're living on this side of grace. But David said something a while ago, and I, I want to give you guys some more permission, okay? The Lord began to speak to him, he said six months ago, about giving him the go-ahead to be involved, but Kobe had not asked him. Okay, and that's fine. Everything's cool with that. Here's what I want you to hear me say. If the Lord begins to speak to you about an area of ministry that you are called to serve in, don't wait to be asked. Please, don't wait. Go find whoever it is that's in charge of that area of ministry and say, hey, look, I feel the Lord leading me in this direction. Let's talk about this. Let's pray about it together, okay? You don't need to wait to be asked because we're right on the heels of a time where we don't have time for you to wait to be asked and we're not going to have the mental capacity at times to know we even need to ask because sometimes the Lord begins to do stuff and we don't even know it's needed yet just like they didn't know that Kobe was being called out but yet the Lord had already begun to speak and work in their hearts so thank you again for that ceremony this morning and I hope that that you guys see that God's setting us up for some incredible ministry right um, it's I, I'm really excited but not I'm not excited because it's Leah and David I'm excited because the Lord is has just been speaking even this morning confirmation through testimony things that we had not talked about because when I talked to David and Leah last night and said you know don't forget I want you to share this morning they said what do you want me to talk what do you want us to talk about I said whatever the Lord's been saying and that was the end of it so again the Lord just confirming what he's doing okay God is preparing us to invest in the life of the people around us in significant ways we've been talking about that for the last 
three or four weeks, and we're going to talk about it again, but today specifically in the area of faithful work, okay? We are going to, we're going to bring God's love into this broken world, right? We've been talking about that for a year as we've studied Ecclesiastes, that the world is broken. We as his people are called to bring his love into that world. And so we're talking about some tangible ways in which we can do that, okay? And I love that God last week had Glenn bring it back to the most basic element of who we are, that again, we talked about abiding, okay? I hope you're not sick of hearing about that because that's really the only message we got. It's the same one Jesus had. Love me, love people, right? If we love God, we're going to abide in him. And when we do that, everything else falls into place. Turn with me to um, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to do verses 3 through 6. And I know we looked at verse 3 once already um, two weeks ago, but we're going to look at it again today because it helps kind of bring some context into verses 4 through 6. So let's read this together and look at what God is speaking about investing in life through faithful work. It says, If the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, The place where the tree falls, there it will lie. One who watches with the wind will not sow, and one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at the evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. Okay, so the first thing I want to say this morning is, uh, too soon, God. Rain and the wind and the trees falling, not cool. Not cool, okay? Look, we know about rain, we know about trees falling, right? And I'm making light of that. But I was telling the elders this week um, that it was time to start praying about what the next series was. And Glenn immediately said, not Ecclesiastes or anything like it, okay? We've had enough <laughs> enough of, of understanding Uh, the heaven nature of life. We get it already, okay? In verse 3, we're reminded that much of life happens to us and around us, and there's nothing that we can do about that. You know, I I shared with you guys last week with a lot of you that a tree fell on our house. Everybody's okay. The house is going, I mean, it's a little damaged, but it's not uh, nearly as major as it could be. But what we may not have told you is on Wednesday before Delta came through, we had a tree in our front yard that was leaning over the same place in our house cut down and that tree was gone and so it didn't fall on the house but one we had no idea to even think about is the one that fell on the house in the same exact place to make a long story short um, that that tree that fell fell in a different angle from the other one but still in the same spot but because of the angle uh, and the the structure of the house everything really was okay And and the Lord used that to protect our children three of which who sleep on the spot where the tree fell Okay, that's a, another long story uh, for another day. But I want you to see that we can prepare to the best of our ability, right? Bethany and I saw a tree that was leaning towards the house. It had already started to uproot. We didn't even know that until the tree guy came and told us. And then we're like, oh, wow, that's obvious. Yes. Okay, we need to cut this thing down. They came the next day and they cut it down. So we saw a need and we prepared as best we could. But sometimes 2020 just happens, Right? You, you, you do the best you can and then life just happens around you. So the first thing that we want to talk about today is that we invest in life by trusting God. We can spend tomorrow worrying about all the things, right? But at the end of the day, it's still 2020. Till the end of this year, it's still 2020. And we can do the best at looking at all the potential problems that are out there. But we're not going to see them all. 
Two weeks ago, we talked about investing in life by preparing our lives to serve others. And living that way allows us to be freed up so that when someone does need help, we're able to go and do that. And when life turns upside down, we make the investment that God's calling us to by looking for His activity in the middle of the craziness. That when a Delta shows up, and we're still dealing with Laura, that even in the middle of that craziness, we can um, have the, the, the foresight to say, okay, God, what are you doing in this? What are you doing for us, and what do we need to do for you and for your people? Just think about how much we've learned this year alone about God's character because of COVID and all the complications that come through it. You know, Glenn talked about last week how COVID really has been good for us as a church because it mixed things up. Like I talked about earlier, when we're comfortable and we're doing the same things we've always done, we miss opportunities for growth because we're comfortable, right? But it's when your power's out for a week and you have to relearn how to make coffee like a caveman that you learn new skills, right? That you would never have if your power was always on. Church looks different from the way it did a year ago, and yet God is still speaking, and we can still hear Him. He's still working in the midst of our body, even though it doesn't, church doesn't look like it used to. We're not necessarily comfortable right now, but God's using that too. He's stretching us to think about what's most important. And we don't think about those things when we're comfortable. Look at verse 4 and 5 again with me in, in chapter 11. He says, One who watches the wind will not sow, and one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. Look, making preparations are good, but we literally cannot prepare for everything that could go wrong in life. It's not possible. I can't afford to cut down every tree that's close enough to my house that could potentially fall over. And most of them aren't even my trees. They belong to my neighbor. Okay? So there's things that, like, if you could say, well, you could prepare your house to not have a tree on it by just cutting all the trees down. No, I can't. I can't afford it, and they're not my trees. There's nothing I can do about it. So what do I do in that scenario? One thing I can do is trust God. The author is pointing out that we can't spend our lives worrying about every little thing that, that could happen to us. If there's an obvious thing that you can do to prevent something bad, do that. But don't prevent yourself from living life because you're worried about things you have no control over. And in, in the text, the author is using the example of planting and, and harvesting a crop. You know, this, he's not talking about like the little square foot garden you might have in your backyard. He's talking about acres and acres of fields. And when the rain comes and when the wind comes makes a huge difference on how well the, the, the crop is going to grow. It depends on when you can plant it. If it's muddy, you can't plant the seeds. And if it's raining in the middle of harvest, you can't harvest. And so in our text, he's saying the people who spend all of their time just looking at the clouds and worrying about the rain never get to plant and they never get to harvest because their focus is on the wrong thing. We need to trust God to take care of the things that are outside of our control. And listen, I, I understand that life is scary. 2020, if it's taught us anything, it's that, right? Life is going to throw you curveballs, and there's not much we can do about it. But all the things, all the changes that are happening in, just in our church right now. I don't know about you, but sometimes I talked about my anxiety earlier when Kobe told me he was leaving. Like, some of this stuff seems like it's so daunting. And our tendency, our human nature is to really worry about those things as if we can even do anything about it. I'm worried about who's going to lead worship. Now, guys, don't think it's lost on me that we have an incredible team of way, way more talented musicians than I've ever been able to work with. 
My concern was we don't have any musicians. My concern was Kobe was a leader in our church. And God, who are you going to call to step in and take that place? Any of these people could do that if God called them to do it. Because it, like Leah talked about this morning, it's not through our skills and our power. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. But me and my flesh immediately went to, oh God, what do we do now? And I don't mean that in a, I'm asking God. It was in a, you know, the rhetorical way in which we say like, what do we do now, right? We invest in our own lives and the lives of others by trusting God. And in church, the reason we share testimonies, the reason I want to, to share all of this information with you this morning, the reason we took 10 or 15 minutes or whatever it took to share all that testimony is because that's proof of God's work in our lives. And if God's, if you're not seeing that proof in your life, perhaps you can live vicariously enough through the lives of other people to to let the, the Lord spur you on to, to spend the time with Him so that you can have those same kind of experiences. I'm not special or unique, okay? I'm just as messed up as everybody else in this room. But we invest in our own lives and the lives of others by trusting God. As we live with confidence that God can take care of what we can't, we're planting those gospel seeds that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks because when people begin to see you live with the confidence that the Lord is going to take care of you, it's noticeable. People see that in your life. They see that you're not constantly worried about everything. But listen, I want you to, I want you to, to hear me that there's a fine line here, okay? As we talk about trusting God, we also don't need to fall into the trap of not doing anything and calling it faith, right? Because we can, like everything else, we can swing too far one way or the other. I'm not saying that you don't need to worry about anything and just say, oh, God's going to take care of me. no. There's some things in our lives that we're supposed to take care of. We're supposed to see. God gives us the ability to see those things. Let's look at verse 6. We'll talk about this some more. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. So point number two for today is that we need to invest in life by wisely using the time that you're given. We need to invest in life by wisely using the time that we're given. We're only given a brief moment here on earth. We've talked about that at length through this series. That's kind of one of the main focuses of the author of Ecclesiastes is that life is hevel. It's short. It's upside down. Sometimes we can't make sense of it, but it's life and it's a gift. I want to remind you um, as we talk about works this morning, something we talked about early in this series in Ecclesiastes 2 verse 24, it says, there is nothing better for a person than to eat, drink, and enjoy his work. I've seen that this even is from God's hand. When we looked at chapter 2, we discussed that our work is not just a means to an end, right? It's, it's rather been created by God for our good. God created us to work. We looked back at Genesis and how God created man and woman and gave them the task of taking care of the garden. I remember um, when I was writing this, a, a sermon years ago that Matt Chandler did, where he calls out men for going to bed with too much energy, right? And, and, and if you know what I'm talking about, you'll laugh because he, he does a good job with that. But, but what he's saying and what the author of, of Ecclesiastes, they're trying to make the same point that we were created for work, not for leisure, not for rest all the time. Did you notice that the author didn't say work hard and then take evening for yourself? It's common for us to think to ourselves, because we're scorekeepers, you know, I've worked really hard today, so therefore I deserve some time on the couch tonight. 
This is not what God's instructing his people to do when he told them to take a day off. Because I know that's where your brain's going. You're saying, well, Will, God told us to rest. Yes, he did. But let's look at that. I'm glad you brought it up. Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. We looked at this last year. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath. For the, and that's normally where people stop, right? Seventh day is a day of rest. It's the Sabbath, and then you stop. What's he going to say? The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or resident alien who is within your city gates. Right? Verse 11 says, For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and declared it holy. But listen, God's intent for the Sabbath was not for you to have a day of couch time. It wasn't for just a day of downtime. The purpose of that day was to remember God and to remember what He is doing in your life. We know this because of how Jesus used His Sabbath. Look with me at Matthew 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. It's a little long, but hang in there with me. It says, At that time Jesus passed through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick up and eat some heads of grain. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, See, your disciples are going, they're doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Haven't you read what David did when he and those who were with him were hungry? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him or for those with him to eat, but only for the priest? Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priest and the temple violate the Sabbath and are innocent? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would, have, you would not have come on, uh, condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Moving on from there, he entered the synagogue, and then he saw a man with a shriveled hand. And in, order to, uh, and in order to accuse him, they asked, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he replied to them, Who among you, if he had a sheep that fell into the pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out? A person is worth far more than a sheep. So it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was restored as good as the other. Jesus used his day off, if you want to call that, to invest in the life of other people. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the rest that we desire. You see, when God's telling us to take a Sabbath, he's not saying, I want you to rest your sore muscles. He's saying, I want you to rest in me. I am the Sabbath. So our call for rest is not what culture has defined as rest. Our call to rest is to rest in God. And then we invest in the life of people by working hard as the Lord leads. Look, I've told you guys this many times. Um, when I, I laugh at myself often. Bethany and I talk about this all the time. Because when I was in my early 20s and we only had one child, we thought we were really busy and tired. Newsflash, it got worse. Okay? And anybody in this room that's older than me can testify that I don't know nothing yet. Right? Can I get an amen? Okay. That wasn't an amen, but I'll take it. Look, we waste so much time convincing ourselves that we deserve a break. Okay, look, I want, I want you to hear me say this. I know that I'm a workaholic. Okay, I'm not asking you to be me or make your life look like me. That's not what this is about. This is about letting the Lord train our minds because, y'all, church, we understand grace, right? And we've lived under grace for a long time. Like Leah was talking about earlier, we've spent so much time living under the letter of the law. 
We spent so much time thinking that our work is what was justifying us to Christ. We know that that's not the case, right? And I, and I almost, like I didn't even write this down because I was, I was typing all this up. I was thinking they know that. But right here in the moment, I feel like the Spirit is bringing it up. Look, we know what it means to live under grace. And when I talk about work today, I'm not talking about working to prove ourselves to God or to earn anything from Him. We already have all that we need. We are justified and we are sanctified through the blood of Jesus Christ, not our actions. We know that, church. But what I'm saying is that we are to role model our lives after Jesus who spent His day off investing in the lives of others. I'm saying that we don't need to score keep in our lives and think, you know, I worked really hard today, so I'm going to sit on the couch for the next four hours before I go to bed and sleep all night. Because there is still more work to be done. And I'm not saying that because I don't think you guys are busy. I'm saying that because the text is saying that. I'm saying that when we look at our lives, we need to let the Lord evaluate how we're spending our time and not let our little brains check off the boxes. But let God speak to that. I want to share some quotes with you um, Last night, I, I'm, 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 I'm typing all this out, and I've got, I know that, that Leah and David are going to share today, and so I was trying to keep it short. I tried, y'all. Lord didn't let it happen. Okay, I got some more stuff I'm going to read to y'all. I need you to hang in there with me. Okay, but as I'm studying this sermon, I, in Lagos, I've talked to y'all about this before. I typed in a phrase, and it brings up every resource I have on that topic. And one of the things that popped up and it caught my eye was a sermon by Charles Spurgeon. Okay, Charles Spurgeon is a man that, I mean, when you read his works, he's a TGP guy, okay? He wrote this in, or preached this in 1877. And I want to share these quotes from the sermon because I don't want you to think that Will the workaholic is saying that we just need to work harder, okay? Because that's not, that's not what this is. Look, if I could get, if I could get um, permission from the Lord to just chill for a week, I would absolutely take it. But just on, a, on another, raise your hand if you've been on like a legit no kids vacation with someone you really care about. Raise your hand. Just go ahead, raise it up. It's, a, it's good to go on vacation. This is, I'm not condemning you. These people, y'all have all been on vacation at some point. That's all I'm saying. Okay, thank you. All right, now, how many of you have been on that legit vacation and came home tired? Uh-huh. Look, what we need is not vacation. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I've taken days off where I just sat on the couch all day long. And you guess what? When it was time for bed that night, I was exhausted, right? And I didn't do nothing all day. The point I'm trying to make is that our brains have been taught by culture that rest is equated with laziness or sitting around. And that's not what Scripture is teaching. And so when we talk about work, I'm not talking about just working hard to try to prove something. I'm talking about being obedient to who God's called us to be. Okay, Spurgeon uses this text out of Matthew 21, 28. We're going to read it, and I want to read you a couple of quotes, and we're going to talk about them. Matthew 21, 28 says, What do you think? A man had two sons... He went to the first, first and said, my son, go work in the vineyard today. Okay, and this is one of the quotes out of that. So this is a long sermon. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. We'd be here for another two hours. Just got some excerpts. And now the text says, go work. That is something practical, something real. Go work. He does not say, my son, go and think and speculate and make curious experiments and fetch out some new doctrines and astonish all thy fellow creatures with whims and oddities of thine own. My son, go work. He did not say here, my son, go and attend conferences one after another all the year round and live in a perpetual maze of hearing different opinions and going from one public meeting and one religious engagement to another. And so feed thyself on the fat things full of marrow. 
All this is to be attended to in its proper proportion. But here it is. Go work. Go work. How many Christians there are that seem to read, go plan. And they always figure in a way with some wonderful plan for the conversion of the whole world, but they are never found laboring to convert a baby. Never having a good word to say to the tiniest child in Sunday school. They're always scheming and yet never affecting anything. But the text says, my son, go work. Church, we're at a moment in time here in our church where God has called us to go and plant another church. So let me, let me spell out what this is going to look like for you guys. God's about to take a number of our people from here. I don't know what that number is yet. We're going to talk about that later. And he's going to go send you to be part of a church plant. If you've never helped plant a church, let me just go ahead and lay this out for you. It's a lot of work. And if God is calling you to go and be a part of that church plant, he is calling you to go work. Okay? However, if God is telling you to stay here at TGP West, all of a sudden we got a lot less people than we had the week before. So guess what it's time for? Going to work. Okay? There's not going to be room for people just hanging out on the back of the pew. Okay? If that's what your plan is, sorry, God's got different plans for you. You take that up with him or you can talk to me, but I'm going to just point you back to him. Right? For, for many... Okay, we, church, we planted this church five years ago. For some of you guys, y'all haven't been here from the beginning. And so this is your time to begin working. There are some in this room, and I want to say thank you in advance, that have been faithfully working hard for the last five years. But guys, the work's not done. We are still to be church planters, okay? A new work is beginning, and it's, and it's going to be incredible if we will obey and follow the Lord's lead, if we'll do what he's calling us to do. Make no mistake, we're going to be tired at night, Right? We're going to lay our head on that pillow and go, whew, that was a long day. But look what Spurgeon goes on to say. I got some more for you. And by good work is meant something that will involve effort, toil, earnestness, self-denial, perhaps, perhaps something that will want perseverance. In right earnest, you will need to stick to it. You will have hardly to yield yourself up to it and give up a good deal else that might hinder you in doing it. Oh, Christian men and women, you will not glorify God much unless you really put your strength into the ways of the Lord and throw your body, soul, and spirit, your entire manhood and womanhood into the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. To do this, you need not leave your families or your shops or your secular engagements. You can serve God in these things. They will often be vantage grounds of opportunity for you, but you must throw yourself into it. Look, being a follower of Christ is a call to action. Jesus didn't tell the 12 disciples, hey, y'all come chill with me on the couch for the next three years. It's going to be awesome. What did he say? He said, come follow me. Christ calls us to action. And please don't get hung up on just trying to work hard because Will said so. That's not the motivation we're going for here. The motivation is, is that Christ, who died for you and whom you profess to love, He's saying, follow me. Let's do these things. Jesus didn't tell the disciples, just come hang out. He called them, all of them, right? Last quote I got. He said, and remember once more on this point, that the work to which the Lord calls you is very varied. Therefore, there is a great deal of change in it. And besides that, it suits the different temperaments, constitutions, dispositions, and abilities of his people. He says, my son, go work today in my vineyard. But he does not give you uh, to do my work, and he does, does not give me 
to do your work. Look, I love that Leah, when we had lunch, me and Leah and David, the very first thing she said when I proposed this, she said, Will, I don't feel qualified for this. I said, welcome to the team. Look, nobody's going to feel qualified. If we did, then our heart's not in the right place, right? If we feel like we got it all together, you, just go ahead and tell you, if you feel that way, you ain't got it all together. That's step number one. God's going to push and pull and stretch every one of us in ways that we're not ready for. But He is. And if He's calling us to do it, He is going to be what we need. There's no room, like I said a while ago, for us to sit and wait for someone else to do what God has called you to do. If God is giving you a task, He's giving that task to you. And if you don't do it, it won't be done because you can't look at the other person sitting next to you and say, well, they're not doing anything. That doesn't matter. That's irrelevant to you. You do what God's called you to do, and we're just going to believe that everybody else is going to do what God's called them to do, and then everything will get taken care of. The time is now for all of us to seek God on the roles that we're called to fulfill in the life of this body, whether it's at West or it's at Colleen. If we're working with the Lord, if we're living in obedience to what He's telling us to do, the work itself is going to be energizing. It's going to be so much fun. Because we're doing what God's called us to do. We're not just making a to-do list because Will or Glenn or whoever else thinks it's something that ought to be done. We're doing it. We talk about grassroots ministry when we go through church, um, the, the, lost my words, new member training. Thank you, Talitha. She's always there for me. In new member training, we talk about grassroots ministry. And what we talk about is that God is going to call a particular person to a ministry. Okay, now I went to Leah and said, I feel like God is telling me to tell you that this is what God has called you to, right? But David had already gotten a word six months ago and he didn't say anything, so I'm just playing. I'm just playing. It's just a joke. Just getting y'all's attention back. But listen, for real, God has a work for each of us, okay? And all of us have to fulfill those roles or if we, and if we don't, they're not going to be fulfilled. I was, I was bragging to... Um, the elders about our team that works here on Wednesday nights with the community. Man, those, y'all blow me away every week. Because, and, and it, it, we, we talk about all the time, like, look, I know it may not feel like you're doing a lot, but we need you here. Your presence here is significant. I'll tell you, Craig and Colleen had to self-quarantine for 14 days, and you should have seen the trash outside on the ground. Bethany was like, I can tell Craig ain't been here looking at me. Look, all of us have a role. And it might be picking up trash, or it might be teaching a Bible study, or it might be fixing a meal for something. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on all of those things. Ask God, and He's going to tell you what to do. I'm telling you, when we're obedient to the Lord, you're going to be tired, and when you go to bed at night, you're going to have the satisfaction of laying your head down on that pillow. If you're like me, in 30 seconds, you're out, okay? Or you might be like other people that I know who lay there for an hour, all the things running through your head, Right? But here's what you are going to have. You're going to have the satisfaction and the enjoyment of knowing today I was obedient to what the Lord called me to do, and it was good. I'm tired, and I'm ready for some sleep, but today was good, and there's nothing like that. Our lives matter, okay? And, and when we live the way God's called us to do, other people see that, Okay? And when we live the way we're called to live, others are going to come to know Christ because we worked our tails off for the glory of God. I know that may sound weird for me to say, 
But you think about the times where you were really impacted by someone else's life and chances are that person was working really hard at whatever that thing was that spoke to you. There is no, there's no shame, obviously, in working hard. God's called all of us to do it, okay? Let me, let me wrap this together in a chunk and then and we'll call it a morning, okay? Y'all good with that? Let me just kind of resummarize. I've said a lot today, but I want to bring us all back to the same place. We don't know what life is going to bring. That's what our scripture was talking about today. Hashtag 2020, right? We don't know what's coming next month. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. Because we don't know, we can't fix problems that are coming and that we don't know about. And we shouldn't spend our days trying to think about all the little things that could go wrong. Instead, we need to trust God. Take care of the things that he points out and with everything else, trust him. And because we don't know what the future holds, or often we don't know all that God is doing, we need to work diligently at the task He's already given us, right? So that we're ready when He gives us the next one. Early in the morning until late in the evening, we do the work that the Lord has called us to. This is how we invest in our own lives and the lives of the people that God has put around us is by being obedient and doing that with fervor, with working hard at what God has called us to do. With the motivation of love, not of guilt or shame. Okay, and then lastly, we trust God and we work like there's no tomorrow on what He's given us to do. Okay, let's pray together. Father, I'm so excited about the work that You have for us here at West and at Colleen. God, it's my, my heart, my prayer, my desire that, that the, the men and the women and the children of this congregation um, will feel that same excitement, that they will um, be drawn to working hard for you because they love you, that they would see the things that you're calling them to with the importance that they hold it, that those callings are eternal things, that it's not just about picking up trash or it's not just about fixing a meal or it's not just about leading a Bible study or a life group. That those things that you're calling us to have an, in, an internal and, a, and an eternal effect on everyone around us. God, that as we work diligently for you, that it affects people, that they see it and they're drawn to you. Because we're able to point and say, look, I, I know you look and you think like I'm busy, but it's not about me. It's about what God has called me to do. Father, work in our hearts to help us to see that. To be, to be um, willed and pushed and drawn by you to work as you called us to work, to do the things that you've called us to do. Jesus, I'm so thankful for this church and for the amount of speaking that you're doing for us and how personal it is. God, use that. Use your glory to draw us to yourself. It's in Jesus' name we pray.